Jason Lee, pastor, Casper Lines Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by our weekly uh, teaching from our Sunday morning gathering. Uh, this is actually week six of our Hebrew series. Week five got lost in the internet world somewhere, it just disappeared. So, this is the third part of working through Hebrews chapter six. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I can't find it. Nobody can find it. It's just gone. So, hey, if you'd like to know more about our church, Check us out at casperchurch.com, or you can go to your app store on your phone or your tablet. Look for, uh, search for the double C's in Casper Alliance Church, and download our app. Yeah, have a great day. Bye. All right, kids, you get to enjoy me all morning. Settle in, children. Okay, I hope that I'm not the only one in this room who just had Today I Learned moment. There... I did not know that there were more verses to the doxology, by the way. Anybody else want to admit out loud that that was them too? Right, okay, so I'm a church kid. I grew up in the church. I've lived, I, and I, I grew up in a Baptist church, great church in New York, Nebraska. We sang the doxology every week. For a while, at least. There was a sequence where we did. I, did that just happen? I'm not, Hannah, did you just write that this morning? Because I'm back there going, this is, what just happened? That's like a moment for me. Um, I consider myself an ecclesiologist. Like I know some, I know a little bit about the church. That I did not. So, well, we're all learning. We're all growing. I just had my moment for the year. Came, came at the beginning of summer. All right, here's, here's the deal. We're in Hebrews chapter six. This is the, um, the third week in Hebrews chapter six. We're going to look at a handful more verses, and then here's um, in my, we're going to just spend the rest of the summer in Hebrews, <laughs> except for there's going to be this one sequence that happens in July where we're going to take uh, Hebrews 11, which is the, the faith chapter, and I, I had this plan of doing uh, the uh, children's storybook Bible summer where we would just take, take a children's storybook, you find all the characters in it, and you'd go through those stories for the summertime, but Hebrews has been fun, and I'm enjoying going through it, and I feel like there's a lot more to say about Hebrews, and I want to give other people opportunities to talk about it, because I, and, and so, and Zach's going to preach once a summer, and I, I just like, this is a good book for us to camp out in for a little bit longer, but but there's going to be a sequence for about three weeks in July, I believe, where we're going to kind of pause uh, and we're going to go through the chapter 11 of Hebrews and then we're going to take uh, Rahab um, and one of the four judges, I don't know which one, and then one other story from the Hebrews 11 and we'll do those on a Sunday morning. But we're going to run this up until, until Labor Day. All right. Here's another thing I want to tell you. I want to remind you. Family camp is coming August 20 through 19 through 21. August 19 through 21. Sign-ups haven't started yet, right? But they're going to start very soon. Very soon. Sign up to be able to sign up. It's going to happen very soon. Now, this year we're going to have a guest speaker. Uh, Reverend Jonathan Wiggins, our district superintendent, will be speaking at family camp. That's going to be a great time. He loves this church. A lot of you have no idea who I just said. And that's because the church has transformed over the last few years. He's, he is a, uh, 
he's been, he was my mentor when I was 24 years old, starting out of ministry. He's our district superintendent. He's a great communicator. Him and Lori are both going to be there and to spend the weekend with us and just love on you guys and teach and talk and, and share and actually even just cast vision for the Rocky Mountain District. Um, I, it'll be a great time. And our theme this year is uh, uh, Route 66-ish. Like We're going to learn the, all 66 books of the Bible. You're going to know them all. Not, not like the detail of every book, but you'll know. By the time you go away, you'll be able to say them, know them, and find them, I believe. I think. I have faith. Right. Steve, it looks like you want to say something. Okay, good. I was like, <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Dr. Stumbo saying it looks like he's about ready to launch into some words, and I'm just gonna, I'm going to head him off at the pass. <laughs> it is good. All right, here we go. Now, um, Hebrews 6, we've, the reason I broke it up is there just felt like there was a lot of content there to, to pour over, and so um, if you want to throw our, our PowerPoint up, I don't, our keynote is really what it is. Remember, I said there were three warnings from Hebrews chapter 6, three warnings that, and if we, I want you to look again at the writer of Hebrews as a pastor, a shepherd, somebody who's looking at his churches uh, out there, looking at the scattering of, of the people, the Christian people, and saying, I want to I pastor you, I want to shepherd you, I want to draw you into community. I want to help you grow in your faith, and I, and I, and I love you. And then, and then, because frankly, the writer of Hebrews is just visceral with his words and gets right after the people. And so we're going we're gonna to wrap it up, but there are three warnings. And the first warning was it's time to get serious. We spent a, uh, you know, a Sunday morning talking about these ways in which, like, if you're, you need to get serious about your faith. There's no more childish thinking. There's no more, like, you, you can't just, just wallow in the easy stuff. It's time to go a little bit deeper. It's time to dive deeper into faith. It's time to, it's time to grow. It's time to get our roots deeper and to really uh, know the Lord and, and begin to have him shape not just, like, uh, I get to go to heaven, but, like, more of your life, right? So we, there, stop with the childish thinking. Put, it, put aside childish ways. Let's go deeper, right? Then we, I talked about consecration, and we have to set ourselves apart. So if we want to be serious about our faith, we got to set ourselves apart for whatever, whatever God's going to do in our life, right? You have to do something, commit some time. Uh, in our denomination, we talk about consecration and ordination. Consecration, ordination, that's setting apart for ministry. That's the language we use. We want to set, and I believe consecration happens to all of us. You set apart your life so that you can begin to grow. If you want to be serious, you got you to create, you got to create this space where you say, I'm going to give this time to God whether it's one minute in the morning, whether it's three seconds, whether you, hey, put, a, put an echo in your bathroom, download the Dwell app, take your shower and say, Alexa, read Hebrews chapter six. And while you're in the shower, you will hear the word of God <laughs> spoken by the Dwell app, which is a fantastic app, by the way. I'm not, this, I'm not getting any money for that. That is, I just love that app. Okay, but there are ways to do it. Figure out ways to do it, all right? To be serious about your faith, you gotta stop being careless, which means we don't need to entertain ways in which uh, we allow uh, Satan to enter into our spaces. We don't, uh, we don't entertain things that distract us from growing. We don't, we don't begin to do, do things that are careless in our behavior, right? And, and there, we, every single one of us in this room can think of like one thing that they're like, you know, I probably shouldn't do that this week. And you remember my example? I mean, it's been brought up to me a bunch lately. Because everybody went there after I talked about it. Y'all had lunch at Arby's. <laughs> but like, let's just stop being careless about our, our behaviors. And if you want to be serious about your faith, stop being careless. 
And the last thing I said on the first week we, we were plowing through was you have to cultivate something. You have to cultivate your soul. It means you have to nurture, take time, work on the, work on the ground. To spend some time, create an environment that's friendly for growth, if you want to be serious. Uh, and I show some pictures of how, remember how cold it got here in, in Casper and I, our living room, or I mean our kitchen looked, I had all the outside planters on the inside because we didn't want it all to die. You have to take care of the things that are growing inside of you. And if you want to walk with Jesus in a serious way, you got to take care of that. You got to spend time to nurture and care for that sort of stuff. Um, yesterday we we, were plant, we want to plant some berry bushes, and so we have this rock garden in the front of our house, and we have the perfect yard. It's like, like I'm going to be the greatest 80-year-old lawnmower ever because it really is like the size of the piano. It's, our lawn is so small. But we wanted to put some berry bushes, and we're trying to figure out where to put them, and we're reading. And, and one of the processes of putting these berry bushes in, is how do berry bushes grow? Now, some of you might already know that, and some of you should expect me to know that since I grew up in Nebraska. I don't, so just chill out for a minute. I grew, I, more of my life is concrete jungle than it is Nebraska at this point, and now mountains. <laughs> so we're looking at the, the directions, and like, we had this idea where we wanted to put it. And, it was, and I, you know, in the farming self that I am, said, I don't think that's going to work, Adrienne. And frankly, it would have been way easier to put it there and just watch the thing die. But they want, they, want, they want it to be sunny, like full sun, right? Berry bushes, this raspberry bush. And I was like, you know what? We should put it in the rock garden, in this, in this little rock garden we have in the front of our house, right? So I'm like, this would be a great place for it. Let's just let's move these rocks. What? This, my back hurts today. This rock that we moved yesterday was, like, was the size of um, an eight-year-old. And heavier than an eight. I mean, it was massive, and it was like it was like a triangle. Triangle that like it was just. But we did it. We moved it. We planted a berry bush right there. We wanted to create a space for this thing to grow because you know what? When you guys are you guys are growing your things, we can share our, our food sources, and I'll I'll give you my seven berries that we harvest, and you can give me bullets. I don't I don't know what the trade off is going to be, but like um, you know what? I'm going to trade you berries for veterinarian care. That's like my joke now. Time. How can I get free veterinarian care? I know a vet. I'm going to bring a bushel of berries in, and you can take care of my poodles. <laughs> That's like the most the most 21st century sentence ever. I'll trade you berries for my poodles care. <laughs> Anyway, we, we created this space that was a plug for Dr. Thorne. He's a great vet. We love him. You should find our animal hospital. That's his place. We had to create a space for our berry bush to grow. And we did. And we worked it. And it worked out. And I, we'll see what happens a couple years from now. Maybe we'll have berries everywhere. And we'll be annoyed that our sidewalk's stained with berries. But, like, you have to intentionally cultivate spaces for you to grow, if, to be serious. All right? The net last week, I, I, start, I took our word, I took a negative word, stubborn. I said, it's time to be stubborn. And this is a warning. You have to be stubborn. And what does stubbornness look like? It looks like perseverance. It looks like you got a daily practice, and then you have to be persistent. And this idea that um, there are good things coming, and God remembers what you do. And, and when, we are, when we persevere, we, we trust that there are good things coming. We have this hope inside of us. And even though things are tough, things are difficult, things are hard, things aren't easy, we have to be so stubborn in our faith that we believe that good things are coming. And that we trust and know and have a hope in that. And we get to the end of the chapter, we, we have the hope phrase that, that's just a beautiful uh, word picture on what hope should look like. And we're going to read that here in just a second. 
But to persevere is to trust that hope is on the horizon, that we're going to get there. Think of yourself as a ship out to sea, and you see dry land. You see the island, and we're like, that's hope. I'm headed there. I'm headed there, and I'm going to continue to persevere to get there. And, and I talked about God not forgetting. The scriptures say that God remembers what you do. When we practice loving others, we are, we are expressing that hope that we have. It's really easy to turtle up and to be discouraged and be frustrated and to be annoyed and to kind of, and to kind of go into our shell when, when things are hard, right? We've actually, we actually practiced that over the last couple of years. To just kind of, kind of go in, to shelter in place is a phrase, right? Let's just shelter in place. Let's be afraid of what's outside of our house and shelter in place. That's, that's the behavior of somebody who's not living in, a per, in, in like this way in which we're practicing love. Now, there's times to be serious and like take care of yourselves. And I'm not, I'm not being in like an anti like health life, right? right? <laughs> like let's not eat at Arby's every day. <laughs> but there, there is a way in which we turtle up sometimes to where we stop practicing what we believe. We talk about what we believe, but we stop practicing. We stop loving our neighbor. We stop caring for people around us. We stop even praying or, care, or thinking about the people in our life that are right there, that are right next to us. And, and God doesn't forget, the writer of Hebrews says, he'll remember your works and, your, and what you do. He remembers you, and you'll, you'll reap what you sow. So, and the last one I said last, uh, for the time to be stubborn is we have to be persistent. And I said, diligence and dedication. Don't give up. Don't quit. Continue to be faithful. Some things are tough, right? Work's hard sometimes. Life's tough sometimes. Things feel discouraging. It's not always fun. It's not always like we're not always puppies and rainbows and cupcakes and, you know, like, but things are hard. And, and persistence and faith is just saying, I'm stubborn. In, in spite of where I'm at right now, I'm going to be stubborn. I'm going to persist through this. I'm going to be diligent. And be diligent in doing all the things I've already talked about, practicing, cultivating. I'm going to be diligent in that. And I'm also going to be dedicated. No matter what, no matter what, I'm going to keep moving in this direction towards Jesus. All right, now here's our last warning of chapter 6. It's time to be secure. Time to be safe. It's time to trust that we're okay. Let's look at the text. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. Then Abraham waited Whoops, that's 15, sorry. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham, and I know, like, you guys are like, seriously, Abraham again? Every single week, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham with all this Abraham stuff. No, it's for real, Abraham matters, okay? For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it, and without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could perfectly sure could be perfectly sure, I missed a word, that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is possible, is it, it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for our refuge. Can, therefore, we who have fled to him for our refuge, here's the deal. My head is casting a shadow, a perfect shadow on, this, on my Bible right now, and I'm missing small words. It is impressive. Either my head's too big or my Bible's too small. 
Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And some of you are like, seriously, Melchizedek, Abraham, Melchizedek every week. <laughs> Time to be secure. Time to t- so here's the deal. God promises. God makes promises and he keeps them. God is, he loves to make promises. I, I had this idea um, that I was just going to read for like 20 minutes God's promises and I forgot that uh, kids are in here and they'd be like, listen, is this guy ever going to finish talking? But I have 35 pages 35 pages of God's promises through scripture. 35. And you can go out and find it and and look at it. But these are just promises for protection, promises in times of doubt, promises of God's care, of his own character, promises of his faithfulness, promises of those who wait upon the Lord, promise after promise after promise. God makes promises. And here's what the writer's saying. God's promises you need to be secure in because human promises are horrible. They don't work. And I even think about my own life and, and kind of who I am. I overpromise and I underdeliver. That's me. It's like, that's who I am. I can, I'll tell Adrienne all the time all the great things that I'm going to do. And every day she is so let down because I don't fulfill all of these promises. And some of you wives who have a, a husband like that, you need to have grace. From a personal experience, you need to have grace because we have good hearts and we want it. We try hard and we think about it a lot. But there are times like we just can't move the folding chairs from the bar to the garage. They just have to be there for seven months. That's a real life experience from last night at 10 o'clock. Real life. It has nothing to do with canoeing. That just has to do with over-promising and under-delivering. But that's what a human promise is. We, we are really good at making these like declarations that we're going to do these things. And we, we don't have the power, the sustaining power, the, even the memory sometimes to do it. I have we real life, Jeff, right? Like I, I was like, Jeff, I'll call you Tuesday night right before your surgery. My life got so crazy. I'm like, I got home and I'm doing stuff and I'm like, it's 1030 and I forgot to call Jeff. And like, Jeff, oh no, I forgot to, his surgery's not gonna work because the pastor didn't call him on Tuesday night. That's a real life ministry moment that happened in this church last week. Overpromise, underdeliver. That's the human condition. You all know somebody in your life who's broken a promise, and if you don't, it's you. You're the one. <laughs> and everyone's looking at you going, yeah, I know. He doesn't want to admit it, but that's that guy or girl. Girl, we are equal opportunity offenders in this church. <laughs> but God promised Abraham, and it motivated the way in which Abraham lived. It changed his entire life. We've talked about it. I talk about Genesis 12 as being this, the most important path, like, four verses in Bible that everything stems from this moment in, in history is when God calls Abram and calls him out and he leaves and he's faithful and he follows and God gives him the promise that I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And from that point, everything gets launched in the Christian faith, everything. 
And God, and so Abram, Abraham was motivated and lived and, and oriented his life, trusting God's promises. He lived in a way that was secure. And now Abraham was a monster of a human being. Like he really was. He was a, a man among men. He was, he was a boss. He was like the boss hog. And if you're a Dukes of Hazard fan, that's like the second day in a row I've referenced the Dukes of Hazard if you've been following me <laughs> on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok. Sorry. <laughs> but here's the deal. There's nobody in which Abraham has to like reference a promise to. So God makes a promise to himself. I promise based on me, based on me. See, I try to limit my promises because I know I will let people down. And I recognize, and humans need to recognize, that our promises versus God's promises are very different. We have the inability to, to create security with one another. We really do. It's, I mean, we know this. We try our best. We work our best. We try our hardest. We try, like, I, men's, like, worth is oftentimes, like, motivated by creating a secure place by which we have our families, and so we work and we do these things in, in, in a way to help promote. But we also know that there's nothing that can protect us. No matter how hard we work, no matter how much we save, nothing will ultimately protect us. So we're, we're, we're in this effort to create security around us. But at the same time, we know that things just can break down. Things can fail. Things can fall apart. And that's the human condition versus what God is providing in his promises. So here, verse 15, Abraham waited patiently. He lived in a way, waited patiently, continued to act and behave and, and screw up, by the way, if you know the entire story of Abraham, and mess up and fail and actually make poor decisions. But God was faithful in that his promises were from him and he sweared by himself and said, I'm going to take care of you. And Abraham's life reflected that of a person who believed in something greater than himself and knew that there was a God and that he could trust and be secure in and live his life according to. It created a better vision for his life. That's what security does. It creates a better vision for how you live your, way, you live your life. When you can trust and be secure in God's promises, these 35 pages of God's promises, it creates a perfect vision for how you can live. Now, it looks different sometimes, right? Some of you become this type of um, uh, worker and you have this type of degree and you have this kind of motivation and you grow this way easier, but it does create a better vision for your life. And that vision is rooted in security and that God does what he says he's going to do. And we have to, yeah, bless you. We have to talk about what does God say that he's, he's gonna do. Well, let's just keep it simple. Let's keep it super simple. God says that if you put faith in Jesus Christ, you trust in his son as Lord and Savior, and you orient your ways around the person of Jesus Christ and have faith in him, you will have eternal safety and life with him. You are now connected and have relationship with him. That's the simplest promise. That is the one thing that we all need to grab a hold of and hold tight to, that this promise of salvation through the cross and the work of Christ is something that God said he will do and give to us and, hold, and we can hold on to that. And we can, then we begin to live our life out that way, right? And all of these 35 pages of promises can help shape and navigate how when we're feeling a certain sort of way, right? So some of you might have doubts. Some of you might have insecurities in certain areas. Some of you might have weaknesses in areas. These promises do address that. There are thousands of promises in scripture that help to narrow and shape and direct your path. What's the best direct your path passage? Anybody know? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You want to turn there with me? Let's do it. This is the verse that I used when I graduated high school. 
I put it in the bulletin in my church where they did not teach me all the different stanzas of the doxology. <laughs> it's, they did not teach me. And somebody's going to be held accountable to that. Reverend Mike Van, Dr. Mike Van Lanningham at Moody Bible Institute needs to know that I don't know those stanzas. Here, I'm going to start with verse 3 because we don't usually read that, right? Verse 3 of the NLT has this great phrase. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge. For the Lord grants wisdom. Whoops, I'm reading the wrong passage. But it's okay. I was actually studying, like, working through Proverbs because I'm thinking about a Proverbs, like, Sunday school class. Anyway, well, let's keep going on this one. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense, to be honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths just of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. So this is Proverbs chapter 2. No, no. Hear this. Hear it. Simple mistakes can produce fruit, but listen to this. He grants treasure, for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth and knowledge and understanding. He grants treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He guards the path. He guards your journey of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. He orients their path as they follow. He creates security in their path. Now let's read the verse I was talking about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your understanding. Let's go back to verse 3 of chapter 2. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Connect those two. Cry out for insight, ask for understanding. The next chapter, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. The NLT is probably making people's brains explode right now. I was like, that's not the way I memorized it. When we try to live out in our own human understanding and try to create the vision for our own lives, we have a path that goes all over the place. We have chaos and, cha and chaotic movement, and chaotic uh, experiences and chaotic life. When we lean on our own understanding, it tends to drift us into uh, what we want. And our, what we want isn't always what we need. And, and that's kind of the hard space, right? But when we're looking for security, when we're trying to feel secure in our walk with the Lord, we have to trust in his promises. And his promises, if we lean on him and trust in him, will make our path straight. How that looks for each one of us is completely different. I really believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that our journeys, when we're all gone and with Jesus, are, we land at the same spot, but it should, none of us should match the path in which we get there. That is such a boring kingdom, and I don't think that that's the way it's intended. Look around the room. We, none of us look the same, <laughs> thankfully. None of us are excited about the same things. I mentioned the Father's Day shoot a little bit ago. Some of you are like, I, don't, I couldn't care less about the Father's Day shoot. That seems like the lamest waste of a Saturday morning I've ever thought of. Some of you are like, finally, we get to do something at church that feels fun. Think about this, just the difference. Y'all love Jesus. You just have a different perspective on how you experience your life. That's an important thing to grab a hold of. 
to know the promises are the things that continue to guide our path. All right, now here's the second one. To be secure, we have to be patient. Abraham waited patiently, waited patiently for things to happen. Patience is painful. It's hard to wait. It's so difficult to wait. It, I mean, it is a, and when you're acting out in your impatience, it actually creates pain for other people, period. Great example. If your kids love to get up early Christmas morning, like 3.30 in the morning, Christmas early, right? That's pain for you. They're impatient, you experience the pain. That is the, so when we're impatient in our life, we actually create ripple effect to other people. Patience is painful. It's hard. And I, I know there's somebody in this church, I just looked at him and they said, I will never pray for patience because it's the worst experience that follows. It's true. It's a true statement. When we pray for patience, crazy stuff will happen. You can count on monkeypox if you pray for patience. When we, but in order to be secure in our faith and secure with walking in the Lord, patience has to be part of our, our construct. It has to be part of our equation, right? And, and what we don't, we want to have, our way, or have a certain thing at a certain time and, and we want it now. That's our, we're raised that way. It's nobody's fault. This is how we do it. We want what we want and we want it now. And unfortunately, we've been given enough resources as Americans to be able to do it. And this isn't a commentary negative on Americans. I love my resource. We, we have access to all that stuff. So then things that we start to complain about do not match what the rest of the world is complaining about. And it, it, it has changed the way in which we, we experience, I think, our own security. Our security tends to be something that can rot pretty quickly. I made a joke in Sunday school today that watch, watch what happens when the dollar collapses and how we all feel secure then. That, that, when your 401k is gone, see, that's not real security. That's not real. It feels like it right now because that's our, our own experience. That's, a, that's just what we, we understand. In fact, it's some way we've been taught. And I think we need to realign your blank. Whatever that is, right? Whatever is giving you security, whatever you feel like is giving you security, it's time to realign it just a little bit so it's oriented around the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to dictate how that looks, or I'm not even critiquing. Save. We all need to save. I want everyone in this room to be wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. Because the more wealthy you are, the more generous you can be, the more generous you are, the bigger impact you really can have. But I do think that we put our security in things that don't actually match what God is asking us or calling us or even pushing us to do. And, and, and it's not that he's going to take away blessing. I'm not making that sort of connection right now for you guys. But I am saying that part of our security lies in the stuff that we have. And we want it a certain way and we want it now. And that makes us feel safe. And I'm saying the patience, the patience of whatever this journey that we're living is, it will produce fruit. And it doesn't have to look like fruit for you. It looks like fruit for God's kingdom. And that's realigning your fill in the blank. All right. I think we're going to go to the last one and then we're going to wrap it up because it just, it is time. Let's look at verse 16, 17, 18. And then I'll just, I'll just finish up the chapter. 
Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could perfectly could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for our refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And I'll read the hope passages here in a second. God keeps his promises. God keeps his plans. God keeps his oaths. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've been brought into the family, you've been adopted, you've been grafted in, and you live now under a kingdom to where God is the, at, sitting on the throne and holds his promises. And here's what I look at. It, this gives you incredible purpose. It gives you incredible purpose as a person. You become secure in the Lord as you understand your purpose. When you know why you were made and how you're made and who your savior is, your purpose in life becomes incredibly uh, anchoring, as the scriptures say, to your soul and to your future. You, you totally are locked in to what God has called you to be. When you understand, when you understand that you're secure in the Lord, your purpose is just And when you have, when you live with purpose, it changes how you do things. It changes how you interact. It changes how you care for people. It changes how you interact with your household and your family. It, cha- it changes everything. And I, I want to ask this question. Are you living this type of life to where you feel secure and you understand God's purpose on your life? There's a perfect plug here for Casper Alliance Church Discovery Course. If you haven't taken Casper Alliance Church Discovery Course, you're missing out just a touch, and there's hope for you yet. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. But that our, the discovery course that Chris has put together helps unlock purpose. It's all right there before you. you it's there. It, Chris is just navigating you through something you might already know and giving you the language to go, ah, oh, ding, 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 ding. I get it. But here's what happens. To live a life of purpose requires these things. Honesty, effort, and commitment. You have to be honest about where you are in life. In order to truly experience God's purposes in you, you have to acknowledge out loud either the sin that's hindering you, the struggle you're facing, the hope you're hoping for, but just time to be honest and just be like, be transparent with God at least and say, you know what? I need, I want, I want so much more out of my life than it, what I'm experiencing right now. I want so much more. And not like the, the want, the stuff, right? I want, I want to be able to eat Arby's without gaining weight. Not that kind of want. That is so shallow, but like the want to where you're like, I want to have an impact on people's life. I want to help people around me. I want to help kids grow and know and love Jesus for the rest of their days. I want something deep and spiritual and meaningful, meaningful and eternal. The things that will never, never be corroded, corrupted, or fade away. I want that in my life. Well, in order to get to that, you have to say, here's where I currently am. Hi, I'm Jason, and I'm a sinner. 
And that sin is hindering me from experiencing the fullness of God in my life because I'm able to block everything that he wants to say to me out because I'm a sinner. That's honesty and saying, I'm struggling in this area and I need help. And I want to grow so that I can taste and touch and provide and create and help God advance his kingdom and touch the eternal. So I can give people a taste of heaven on earth everywhere I go. Well, it requires you to be honest and say, this is the thing that's stopping me from that happening. It requires effort. Listen, I've tried. Okay. I know it's... it's, (laughs) There's been times in my crazy time, which is all the time, where I sit in my office, not here, but like my little workspace at home, and I'm like, okay, if I just think that I'm exercising, am I actually exercising? Because there's such this mind, like mental thing that's happening. Like, if I can get my heart rate up, does it simulate the fact that I'm actually exercising? So let's, let's increase my heart rate. Let's just breathe really fast. Like, that's how crazy I am. Nobody else has thought of that before? <laughs> you have. You just don't want to admit it because none of you are honest. <laughs> but it requires effort. There's a simple, like, just a step in front of the other. That's effort. Take a step. Take a step. There's this thing, like, that you, you just have to do a little bit of work. That's one of our values here at Casper Alliance. Just do the work. It's just a little bit. Take some effort. So in order to have this like purpose-filled life, to be secure in it, you have to be honest about where you are, and you have to begin to take some steps forward and go, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do just a little bit today, which goes back to the last couple weeks, what I've been talking about. Set some time aside. Say, I'm going to give five minutes to Jesus today. The five worst minutes of my day, which is that five minutes before we're all hangry. I'm going to give that to Jesus and say, help me not to be hangry right now. Effort. In order to experience purpose, it's commitment. Effort and commitment, like those are the same thing. No, they're not. There's a lot of us who can effort our way all the way through the ends of the earth, but never truly be committed to something. Committed to something means that no matter what, I'm going, to, I'm going to, committed means Memorial Day. That I'm willing to step onto this battlefield and I'm willing to die for what I believe in. That's commitment. Regardless of, of the thing that sprays around my head, regardless of the danger that lies before me, regardless of the uncomfortable conversation that I have to have with this person in my life, I'm committed to it. I'm willing to die for it. I'm willing to die so that Jesus can be exalted in my life. That's purpose. I think I, um, the last few weeks we've been showing a lot of World War II stuff. I didn't show any videos today. I had an idea too. But I, I just, I think a lot about, like, I think a lot about that season of, of our, our existence as a country. And just the, whether it's, whether it's, you know, the Pacific front, the European front, the, all of those different things, right? And, and it's, it's talked about in books and the greatest, the greatest generation and, and just, but the commitment, whether they liked it or not, to jump out of a boat onto a beach, bullets flying, to free people that they don't know, to stand for something that they believe in, that's commitment. 
That's just commit. God's army needs to be that times a thousand or more, infinity. That times sideway eight. You have to be that. That's to where you'll jump out of the boat, you'll storm the beach. I'm not going to allow this to happen in my world, in my neighborhood, in my space. I'm going to stand for justice. I'm going to stand for God's faithfulness. I'm going to stand for the words that he says he is. I am committed to who he called me and his promises. 35 pages of thousands of promises. I'm committed to living my life and orienting my path to that, to where I will jump out this boat and I will storm the beach for Jesus. That's the thing that creates security. You don't think that that, it doesn't mean you're not afraid. It doesn't mean things aren't hard. It doesn't mean things aren't rough. But that is what security looks like. It says, no matter what, I'm going to fight for this cause. And this cause is the kingdom of Jesus. And don't displace that to make it some other cause that it's not. Or some other cause that's more comfortable. Or some other cause that feels better to your personal soul. But the, the cause of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And what's that? To find every last lost person and to introduce them to the one who went to the cross and died for them so that they can spend eternity feeling their life as purpose. Feeling their life as security. Feeling their life of all the things that we've talked about the last three weeks. So they can spend and have a relationship with Jesus Christ and enter into his kingdom. That's what the, we're fighting for. That's what I yell about and make kids scared every week. That's what I do. But that's something we have to be passionate about. Like, I think all of the lieutenant colonels on those boats, like, were ducking and dodging the bullets, right? I've joked about it before. I'm the guy that yells about all you uh, corporals jumping out of the boat and I get to stay safely in the boat while you storm the beach. That's the joke of the pastor. It's silly, but in some ways it kind of looks that way, doesn't it? But I'm telling you, we got to fight for something greater than what we're... That's hope. That's hope. So, and I didn't plan on talking about this, by the way. The things we're memorializing tomorrow is supposed to inspire hope. Hope in freedom, hope in security, hope in the ability to arrive at a church and not have somebody come and arrest us and take us away. That's what we memorialize on Memorial Day. These men and women... you say that again? No. These men and women who battled on beaches and in deserts and at the ends of the earth for us to just stand up here and yell about Jesus... Like, that's how I look at it. But it does generate hope. And when God's people do the very same thing, when we arrive on the battlefield of earth and are advancing the kingdom of God and carrying the cross of Christ and saying, we love Jesus, we are inspiring hope. This, is the ho this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest. Here's the deal. Jesus praying in the garden. Lord, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. I do not want to experience what I'm going to experience. It is the most honest, 
honest, effort-filled, committed prayer that's ever been prayed. I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this because I'm committed to you. But if you could just take it away, that would totally make my Thursday night. (laughs) It's honesty, commitment, effort, praying so hard your tears of blood. This is the picture of purpose. You've been called as a follower of Christ to live that picture of purpose. So that we have this anchor that no matter what, is strong, secure, and screams hope of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Listen, we're not experiencing doom and gloom. Things are weird. I get it, right? I joke about the, the pox. But we're not, we're not, we're not a border country or a border city in Russia and Ukraine. We don't live in China. We don't even live in Canada where they arrest pastors every now and again. We have it very good. This is the time to get very strong. Do you hear me? We have it very good, which means it's time to get very strong. To gird up your loins and become committed full of purpose because you love Jesus. Let's end right there. And then uh, I'm going to pray. And then actually, uh, Hannah, if you just want to start with the only verse of the doxology, (laughs) that's what we'll do. Father in heaven, we love you. Encourage us. Help us to anchor ourselves to you. Lord, fill us with hope.